It's not all spaceships and stuff, because I'm into all sorts of things. Uh, I like football, I like a drink, I like Spain. And if there's one thing I really, really love, then it's Jeff Lynn and the Electric Light Orchestra. Because you can't beat a bit of ELO. This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Episode 071, Mr. Blue Sky. Sky is the 13th track on Out of the Blue, fourth song, Side 3. Its original working title was Thou Shalt Not, number 7. Jeff Lynn said, Mr. Blue Sky was the hardest. It started as a chord sequence that I pounded for nine hours in a row one day. Jeff didn't think much of the song during the production of it. In the February 2006 issue of Q, he said, I liked the bouncing beat, but I remember sitting in the mastering suite and thinking, it's got no dynamics, not enough top, not enough middle. Not enough bass. And fuck was I ever wrong. It's been played to death ever since. Paul McCartney said a nice thing about it the other day. He said, that's a song that's found its time because people love optimism and everything's gloomy at the minute. ELO recording engineer Mac described recording the classical elements of the song. Some of those classically trained musicians feeling like they were back in kindergarten clearly weren't going to stand for being told to bring their own chairs and music stands into the studio. But about 80% of them said, sure, see you there in an hour. And they all turned up. As there were also a 32-piece choir, it had to perform in the lobby while some of the orchestra musicians played their instruments lined up against the walls. The place was mobbed, and in those circumstances, the sound we got on tracks like Mr. Blue Sky was pretty good. The futuristic, for 1977, Vocoder parts of the song got its inspiration from a 1948 children's record. In a 2009 interview at the ASCAP Expo, Jeff said, When I was a little kid, I remember hearing it from the first time. I was probably about five years old. It was on a thing called Sparky's Magic Piano, and it was a single that they used to play on the children's radio program called Children's Favorites. And it was invariably on every week. And that piano sound used to haunt me. It was like a piano with asthma. In a November 19, 1977 review of Out of the Blue, Owen Gleiberman wrote for the Michigan Daily. The side unfortunately concludes with a ditty called Mr. Blue Sky, an excruciatingly insipid piece that would sound more appropriate as a television sitcom theme. In a 2004 poll by BBC Radio and the Birmingham Mail newspaper, Mr. Blue Sky got the most votes from the public to be the anthem for the Midlands. The song got five times more votes than the second place winner. In the 2012 Jeff Lynne documentary, 
documentary, Mr. Blue Sky, the story of Jeff Lynne and ELO, Paul McCartney said, Mr. Blue Sky is a pretty special song. It's probably the one that everyone would choose. So it's a bit boring to choose it, but it is great. I mean, it just works. And if you're in the car and it's a nice day, it really works. Mr. Blue Sky was used in the movies Wild Muscles, Shaun of the Dead, The Magic Roundabout in 2005, The Game Plan, Martian Child, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It was in trailers for the movies Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. On TV, it appeared in LAX as the opening theme song, the 2005 ITV miniseries Walk Away and I Stumble, the 2006 Doctor Who episode Love and Monsters, and the 2007 CSI crime scene investigation episode, Lab Rats. It was in the video game Driver Parallel Lines. The song was used in commercials for France Telecom in 2005, Talia, Orange Bleu Til Talia, Cell Phones in Denmark, Marks and Spencer Women's Clothing, France SFR Phone Service in 2007, NBAA American Beer Distributors in 2008, Kmart and in Korea in 2009 for any call, Haptic Pop Cell Phones. Hi, I'm Eric Winsensen. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And we've made it to Mr. Blue Sky. I have always, always loved this particular song. It's got so many different elements to it. It's got the classical ending. It's got the rock parts in there. It really sounds like an updated version of what the Beatles were doing towards the end of their career. Since that's always what Jeff Lynne has kind of been going for, it's very impressive to hear that all come together. Even if you have to dig through a lot of stuff on Out of the Blue to finally get to it. <laughs> but from the very beginning of the uh, Good Morning and we're calling for Blue Skies, I, it's a good ending to this whole rainy day suite as well. Because of course after a rainy day you enjoy all the rain and everything, but... Part of the joy is when it starts to peek through with a little bit of sunshine and you smell all the fresh air and everything else as well as the world has just basically been cleansed for a little bit. I know that just made it sound very creepy. I'm going <laughs> to cleanse the world. <laughs> of all the ELO songs in their discography, at least during the hit making years, I never, ever, ever expected Mr. Blue Sky to be the one to make a huge resurgence. Don't bring me down telephone line. I kind of figured if there's ever going to be a an ELO song that will return and be big and popular, it'd probably be one of those. <laughs> Never, ever expected Mr. Blue Sky. Made a little blip on the top 40 in 1978 and then vanished and just disappeared into oblivion, hidden as the fourth track on the third side of an ELO double album. And that's where it would stay for the rest of time. Just that little hidden, oh yeah, that song. Only ELO fans would know about it. The rest of the world is just kind of... Uh, I am still, to this day, really? Mr. Blue Sky is the one that comes back and now everybody associates with ELO? After 25 years of nobody knowing anything about it. I'm really good with that, though. <laughs> I love Mr. Blue Sky. At first, when I first heard it, back in February 1984, I, I was kind of like... I don't know. I thought the song was kind of derpy. It's kind of happy, and there's it didn't seem like there's too much to it. It's just... And just goes on. I did like the classical part, and I thought that was neat, but 
after first hearing it, I thought, Meh. it's kind of a doofy, derpy version of the McCartney part of A Day in the Life. But I liked the album when I got it, so I listened to it a bunch, and, and really it wasn't after too many more listens. Maybe a couple more listens before it was like, sweet Jesus, that's a pretty freaking awesome song. I love Mr. Blue Sky. So yeah, nothing bad to say about this song. I absolutely love it, and I loved it when it started showing up again. Oh, people are paying attention to ELO, and they're picking obscure album tracks that people forgot about. This is great. And then just to see it explode, that's just one of the happiest things you can have for an ELO fan, to have a song nobody remembers suddenly become worldwide famous and so associated with the band as much as Telephone Line or Don't Bring Me Down, or Battle of Marston Moore. Well... I never really considered Mr. Blue Sky to be a uh, an obscure song. I mean, it surprised me. I probably shouldn't have been surprised because I've had those top 40 books forever, mm-hmm. but just didn't really look at Electric Light Orchestra too much because a lot of Electric Light Orchestra songs, you've heard them forever. You don't think about chart positions. Basically, you just know that Don't Bring Me Down was their highest charting song in the U.S., yeah, And other than that, uh, you really don't think of, huh, well, this charted here. And the, you think of, hey, this is one of those ELO songs I really, really love. Mm-hmm. And so I was really surprised to see that this only got to number 35 yeah. in the U.S. For me, it wasn't a resurgence. It's, I've always heard this song. Hmm. When you're thinking of ELO, it was one of those songs I always associated with ELO, along with Telephone Line and Don't Bring Me Down and Can't Get It Out of My Head. Mm -hmm. It was one of those staple ELO songs that kind of draw you into the band. Right. Um, I mean, it was included on their Greatest Hits album after this. Yes. So they knew, I mean, Jeff Lynne obviously knew that, or if it was a record company that assembled that one, Either way, they knew that this song was more than just its chart position. It's kind of like ELO all wrapped up in one little package and tied up with a bow. It really is. A nice little vocoder bow on there. (laughs) Because it defines everything that one would think about ELO at this particular time period at their peak. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad that a lot of people have rediscovered this song and that it's become kind of the iconic one for the band because it's better than having something like Still You Turn Me On. At least nobody rhymed matter and ladder (laughs) in this particular one. Yeah. For five years, I didn't know that this was released as a single. I got my hands on the Billboard Book of Top 40 Hits in 1989 and I was like, "Uh oh, Mr. Blue Sky was released as a single. I had no idea. I never heard it on the radio. And another reason why it surprised me when I saw that it was released as a single and barely made the top 40 is because I'm a pretty big fan of music from 1978 to about 83 or so. And this song came out in the summer of 78, which has also been something that's um, got a hefty bit of nostalgia for me because I had a pretty good summer for summer of 78. That was the year my parents just gave me their old clock radio. So that's when I had my radio, when I could start listening to what I wanted, and it wasn't dictated by what my parents had on the radio or what the records they had on their on their stereo. So I, you know, listened to Top 40 Radio back in 78, so I heard a lot of stuff. And even to this day, as I've gotten older, obviously, uh, there's a lot of songs from 1978 that made the Top 40 that I still love could do without the village people and quite a bit disco but other than that 
Still love that. So I was surprised when it's like, I how did I miss this? How did I not notice or never even hear that Mr. Blue Sky was a single? And I never heard it on the radio. And I lived in Phoenix from 1976 until 2014. I lived in the blue sky capital of the universe. There are 330 days of sunshine in that city. You'd think sometime during that time I would have heard Mr. Blue Sky on the radio. But I hadn't, even on the classic rock station. Probably never listened to KSLX that much because, yeah. Oh, I did. They played it constantly, at least since the early 90s. They've played it constantly. Well, that's probably... It's one one of their little handful of ELO songs that they Mm. approved for (laughs) airplay. Right. I did listen to KSLX a lot from 86 to about late 88. Then I got tired of hearing Aqualung and Stairway to Heaven all the damn time. And I moved on to the alternative radio station. So in the 90s, I had pretty much, you know... I'm sick of hearing classic rock, so I didn't really listen to KSLX in the 90s. Switch over the alternative station, which uh, then played Friday I'm in Love all the damn (laughs) time. That's around the time that I got tired of hearing the alternative stations, too. Yeah. (laughs) And that's when we just started going to our own record collections after a while. Yes. Speaking of strange (laughs) things in record collections and enjoying record collections, you brought up a little uh, (laughs) very creepy oddity here. Yeah, I thought the vocoder was just a new toy that had showed up at Musicland, and Jeff Lynne thought, well, I'm going to use this on the record. I had no idea that Jeff Lynne's, I don't know, obsession with the vocoder at this time dates back to 1948, I think it was, a record called Sparky's Magic Piano. And I had never heard it before, up until two days ago. I didn't even hear it on Dr. Demento. And you'd think that'd be a place where, the only place where I would have heard it. But it sounds pretty 1970s vocodery for being 1948. Sparky, oh Sparky. Uh, who's that? Who's calling me? It is I, your piano. My piano? But, but you're talking. Yes, I can talk. Well, the reason is because the vocoder itself was not designed as a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. It was designed as a long-distance communication device. Hmm. It was designed during World War II. I mean, even though you get the robot voice, that was basically not purposeful. That was due to technology limitations at the time. Right. But it was meant for long-distance communication when you didn't have phone lines laid down and everything. So it right. had a military application. It's just that it became a lot more popular as a voice manipulation tool than later on because, of course, by the time Korea showed up and everything, yeah, the, all that was a lot better than using a vocoder yeah. and a lot better technology by the end of World War II than the vocoder. That just made so, World War II creepier for me. I mean, I'm fine with it in music, but I'm just picturing warfare and death and bullets and bombs going off, and in the background you've got this robot voice going on, too. <laughs> okay. As for the vocoder, this has another vocoderese that I have always heard wrong, and I know I've always heard wrong. To me, at the very end, it always sounded like Mr. Blue Sky's Gone. Which I knew wasn't right, because it sounds kind of dumb. It sounds more like a four-year-old kid. Oh, Mr. Blue Sky's Gone. But that's not what it is, and I found this out just a couple years ago. It's Please Turn Me Over. And no, it is 
not anything sick and demented. It just basically means turn the record over. Yes, yes. I think the coolest thing that has happened, other than the resurgence of this song, for me, for Mr. Blue Sky, was when it was used in Doctor Who. That guy's going on talking, and I start to hear Mr. Blue Sky start to fade in. And the guy's saying there's one other thing that's really great. And I'm starting to like, wait, Mr. Blue Sky, is he going to say? And he says, Jeff Lynn is like, oh! Because you can't get enough of ELO or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, this is freaking cool. Doctor Who and ELO together. Oh, my God, this is so freaking. And I totally geekgasmed over it. And I thought that the classical ending that they used at the end of the episode has to be one of the most, I don't know, powerful, fitting uses for that song with the video of of the coda. If I wasn't a stone-hearted Vulcan and a man, I probably would have been... Oh, oh, that's... that's. There's something in my eye. I'm good, though. There was a shadow in your house. An elemental shade had escaped from the howling halls. I stopped it, but I wasn't in time to save her. I'm sorry. Because that was the night my mother died. And this was something I did not know about until last night when I was looking into facts about the song. I did not know, well, first of all, that that classical end, that coda at the end, apparently that's not part of Mr. Blue Sky. That's supposed to be like its own separate concerto wrap-up section. And I also never noticed that it uses the melody of the bridge between Standing in the Rain and Big Wheels. never noticed that before. Now I, I always will. We're running long. There's a video. There's some animation. There's some neat shots. There's some Hugh McDowell acting up, which is amusing. And an important note about this video, uh, no sunglasses for Jeff Lynn. He should wear the sunglasses because he looks like he's got Alec Guinness eyes. Got something to say about Mr. Blue Sky? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. Was it a hit or was it? Mr. Blue Sky was the second single released in the UK from the album Out of the Blue. The B-side was a remixed version of One Summer Dream. There was a limited release on Blue Vinyl. Released on January 28, 1978, it reached its highest position in the UK, getting all the way up to number 6. It was the 43rd biggest song of 1978. In the United States, it was released in June of the same year. However, it only got up to number 35 on the Billboard chart, while getting to number 33 on Record World and Cashbox, it got up to number 27 on the Billboard chart. It came in at number 206 for the year. The song did not even make the top 40 in Australia, only getting to number 87, with Ireland getting up to number 28 and Canada and Germany both reaching number 27. 
It also did rather well, though, in the Netherlands, getting up to number eight on the Dutch chart. Mr. Blue Sky was covered by... The Cadets, Jack Livingston Orchestra and Singers, The Surf Breakers, King, Giganter, Yukio Young, Ten Sharp, Electric Light Orchestra Part 2, Jonas, Paul McNulty, Geese Fighters, Triple Fast Action, Tony Visconti, Delgados, P. Hux, The Magic Orchestra, Lily Allen, The Big Fellas, Glamophone featuring Kelly, The Spinto Band, El Chirazan, Electric Light Orchestra, Scattered Light Orchestra, The Segway Sisters, and King Caton. It was sampled in Bits and Pieces 3, Let's Do It, by Bits and Pieces, Dynamite Mixers in 1980, The Ride by Digital Boy, Welcome to the Human Race by The Brand Falks, Prayer by The Brand Falks, Be With You by Clips, Never by Deja Vu, The Feeling by Girl Talk for Those About to Rock by Deaf in the Family, Latte by Chris Hamilton, Azumaisu by The Quietest Mix, Let It Out by Girl Talk, Blue Sky by Common, Pop Culture by Medeon, Blue Sky by Luigi, and Superflu by Schneebly. It's time for a great line from ELO from this week's song. What's my line? Hey, you with the pretty face. Welcome to the human race. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I like Mr. Blue Sky. Wow, she liked it. Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 072, Sweet is the Night. <laughs>